Hello and welcome to Here's Johnny's Reviews and my continued look at the Hannibal Lecter movies with 2002's Red Dragon coming out one year after the shaky Hannibal comes this retrend of 1986's Manhunter. Is this just a retrend or is this an actual good movie? Well that's what I'm here to find out and yes I will be comparing the two movies throughout. So with yet another director sitting in a chair and Sir Anthony Hopkins' last turn as Dr Lecter, the budget of $78 million and pulling in $92.3 million, here it is Red Dragon. Starring Anthony Hopkins, Ed Norton, Ralph Fiennes, Harvey Cattell, Emily Watson and Philip Seymour Hoffman, directed by Brett Ratner. The plot, see Manhunter. Mm, no, seriously. A retired FBI agent comes out of retirement to track down serial killer The Tooth Fairy and ask for help from Dr. Hannibal Lecter. Can he find and stop the killer before he loses his mind, family and indeed his life? So, the movie opens up on the Baltimore Symphony Orchestra, circa 1980, and a flutist getting his part wrong, much to the annoyance of Dr. Hannibal Lecter, played again for the final time by Sir Anthony Hopkins, as he lasers in on a bad flute player. Looking much older than he did in Silence of the Lambs, but guess nothing would be done with that one, except maybe hire somebody younger to play the role? Hmm. Cut to a dinner party, held by Lecter, as he serves the flute player to the board of the Symphony Orchestra. After the party is over, and while clearing up, Lecter gets a visit from Will Graham. Mark II, played by Edward Norton of Fight Club, our Incredible Hulk, and American History X, asking for help on a serial killer he is tracking down, which turns out to be Lecter himself. So when Graham is putting two and two together, Lecter has no choice but to attack Graham. Note, much like in Manhunter, Will Graham has a gift of seeing the crimes from the killer's POV. Lecter leaves Graham, or Graham, fuck it, I can't ask Graham, as we say in the movie, it's Graham, alone in his study, under the pretense of getting his coat. During this, a Will looks under his study and finds a cookbook, with many pages marked out as he turns, Lecter stabs him in the gut with a knife. As they struggle, they knock over some arrows, which Will uses to stab Lecter with. Lecter backs off in shock, so Will fires his backup gun, shooting Lecter twice. With that, the titles kick in, and during which we see paper clippings of Lecter and Graham, including one of Will in his hospital bed, with his guts bandaged up. After five minutes of titles, with the most OTT music I've ever heard, we finally get to see what happened to Will after his attack. He had a mental breakdown and is now retired from the FBI and living in Florida. Now, several years later, his former boss, Jack Crawford, Mark III, I believe, played by Harvey Cartel of Reservoir Dogs from Dusty Dawn, Copland, begs Will for help on a new serial killer on the loose. And note, Edward Norton had to have his hair highlighted for the show, making it look sun-kissed as he's staying in Florida. So just like in Manhunter, Crawford leaves photographs of the two families and guilt trips Will into helping him, telling him they have less than three weeks to catch this killer as he's on a lunar cycle. That night, Will discusses this with his wife Molly Graham, played by Mary Louise Parker of Red 1 and 2, Weeds and West Wing. That all Crawford wants him to do is look around the crime scene and help the local cops. And note, Will Graham's knife wound in this is nowhere near as bad as it is in Manhunter. In that one it was a reverse C-shape, a reverse C-shape even, from his left hip to his right lower ribcage. And this one is just running on his side, running from his hip to just under his left ribcage. And Molly doesn't want him to go, but Will says he could save lives and he will not get in too deep. 
she of course doesn't believe him. So with that, the next morning he's off to Atlanta to the first victim's house. Whereas in much like Manhunter, he starts talking into a dictaphone, noticing the dog has gone a missing, as no one heard the dog barking. The night of the break-in. He then tours the house up into the master bedroom and the murder scene again. More OTT melodramatic music playing. Continuing his tour of the house, Will notes that the kids were shot as they slept, therefore the killer must have had a silencer on his gun. The killer then dragged the bodies into the master bedroom, where the murder got, quote, extra attention. Will has a panic attack, so has to go into the bathroom to splash water, even, over his face. And it's here he notes small mirror shards were placed under the eyes, or rather in the eyes of the victims, although he has no clue why. Wasn't it simple? He wants to see his own reflection in the victim's eyes as he has power over them. Cut to the hotel room as Will pours over the crime scene photos, desperate looking for something, anything to come to him. Then suddenly it does, as we get flashes of the mother getting the quote extra attention, i.e. the killer raping her and cutting off her breasts. Will comes to the conclusion that the mirrors make it look like they're still alive, and much like in Manhunter, Will suddenly realises the killer touched the mother's body with his bare hands. He then calls Crawford to have the mother's eyes dusted for fingerprints, and cut to a forensic dentist, showing what the killer's teeth look like from the bite marks left on the mother's bodies. Will is then asked to come up to the front of the group and talk to the entire police force as to what he thinks of the case, with him telling them this wasn't a random attack or indeed a frenzied attack, but these families and mothers were singled out for a specific reason for this attack. Except he has no idea why the two were picked out for the attack, because there is no connection to them. On to the Chief of Police's office, played by Bill Duke of Predator, Payback and Commando, as he tells Will the dog was taken to the vet with a stab wound to the gut the afternoon before the attack. So Will asked if the second victims had any pets, with the Chief saying no, only a cat which wasn't found at the scene. So Will asks him to dig up the backyard to find the cat's dead body. Crawford gets a call from his fingerprint guy to tell them they have a thumbprint on the left eye of the first victim. Murder that is. Cut to Crawford and Graham leaving the station to be hijacked by Freddie Lowndes, played by the late Philip Seymour Hoffman of Hunger Games, Capote and Mission Impossible 3, the newspaper reporter that took the pictures of Will as he was lying in his hospital bed. However, unlike in Manhunter, he doesn't smash Lowndes over the car windshield. In a cafe, Crawford gives Will a pep talk, telling him he found the fingerprint and bite marks. He can indeed catch this killer, the quote, tooth fairy. However, Will s- says he needs help from Dr. Lecter. On to Baltimore Psychiatric Hospital and note, this shot of the hospital was from the outside is taken from Silence of the Lambs because this place no longer stands. As Dr. Chilton, played again by Anthony Held, begs and grills Will for help on cracking Lecter as he goes him down to Lecter's dungeon and spot Frankie Faison as Barney, the only actor to appear in all four Hannibal Lecter movies. After yet more pathetic begging from Chilton, asking for insights into Lecter, telling Will the book he will write will make him millions. Will just coldly turns and tells Chilton, I let him kill me and that's how I caught him and just walks off. It is here, in a recreated set of the dungeon from Silas of the Lambs right down to the folding metal chair and glass cell. This however doesn't play like it did in Silas of the Lambs, it plays like it does in Manhunter, with Lecter lying in his bed with his back to Graham, insulting him constantly. Still at least it isn't a white room. Will asks Lecter for help on the case, playing 
onto Lictor's ego, telling him he, it'll prove he's smarter than the quote Tooth Fairy. Lictor sees it through us, however, and toys with Will, until Will walks off. So Lictor calls him back, asking him to see the file. And I have to say this, and I'm very sorry to say this indeed, but this word for words scene from Manhunter, Brian Cox plays it far better than Hopkins did. Also, Rutten has none of it. It's being whatever the hell Mako Man and Jonathan Demi brought to the director's table, because Ragnar is far too interested in the OTT music in this scene and does not like the scene play for tension or drama. Will hands over the files and gives Lictor an hour to look over them, as he goes for cheap, terrible late 80s coffee straight from the vending machine. After hours is up, Will returns to Lictor and tells him the killer is a shy guy, he may see himself as disfigured and has a thing for the moon. And this is pretty much the same stuff from Manhunter, except the moon stuff is actually used in this very much. Hmm, it's weird. As Will walks off, Lictor taunts him Say he smells of fear and cheap aftershave and lotion. He can have her help him go over that. Outside the hospital, which isn't an art gallery this time, Lowndes take pictures of Will leaving. Will returns to the first victim's house to do another sweep. He looks in the VHS drawer and finds a micro VHS tape labelled Pool Party and Note. In this VHS drawer is a videotape of videotapes from the era, such as E.T. and Jaws. However, one of them is Mrs. Doubtfire, a movie that did not come out until at least five years later. Don't! Again, showing Ratner has been a fucking shitty director, as he doesn't even fix the fuck. Oh, moving on. Rummaging around the drawer, he finds a VHS tape called The Deeds of Leeds, which Will plays, showing its scream-wipe 80s glory. The tape shows the father walking around the home, showing the layout of the house as he records his wife, kids and their pet dog. On to the second victim's house in Birmingham, Alabama, where Will talks to Locksmith about why the killer didn't enter from the basement door, with Locksmith saying it has dead bolts on it, and the killer was probably too much in a hurry. This ever does not sit well with Will. Going around back of the house, Will finds a ring pool from a soda can, which is a modern ring pool and not the one from the 80s, which was the full on sort of lip thing, which ripped your fucking fingers apart. He, also, he then also climbs the tree and finds a symbol in it carved and a branch that has been freshly cut to get a bit of view of the house. The symbol is some sort of cross. Much like a Manhunter, Will is now openly talking to himself. Cut to Dollarhide Nursing Home and you meet Francis Dollarhide, aka the Tooth Fairy, aka Red Dragon, played by Ralph. Fines of Harry Potter movies, Schindler's List, and the Grand Budapest Hotel. Working out as in voiceover, we hear his grandmother putting him down, threatening to cut off his penis for wetting his bed as the camera glides around this huge ass retirement home. And note the voice of grandmother is Ellen Burstein of Exorcist. As the camera finally shows Dorhide working out, we see he is wearing some sort of full face mask, hiding a cleft lip. And note, Ralph Fiennes put on 15 pounds of muscle to play this role. As in the Smash Mother, he puts in his grandmother's false teeth. He goes to his safe and takes, takes out the book on the Red Dragon. It's actually a scrapbook of his killings and indeed Dr. Lecter's. He glues in pictures of Graham that Lowndes took of him leaving Lecter's meeting. Cut to Graham going to see Lecter at Exercise Yard, with Lecter now wearing the white outfit and not a blue overalls as he did earlier on in this movie. He is handcuffed to a pole which he can walk around in a semi-circle, with armed guards watching of course. So, he has seen outside of, a, of his glass cell then, so he likes it at least. I mean, I mean, if you can't trust a bloody homicidal, cannibalistic psychiatrist, who the fuck can you trust, hmm? At this meeting, Will shows Lecter the symbol and 
tells him the Tooth Fairy took tools with him in order to get into the houses. Turns out the symbol means Red Dragon from a Mahjong priest set. Lecter taunts Will again about his fear and then asks to see the Leeds home video, which Will refuses, saying this would be obscene and much like it did in Manhunter. Does Lecter trick Dr. Bloom's assistant into giving him Will's home address? However, this time he does not use chewing gum wrapper to do this. As this is happening, Will is in a library looking up the quote Lecter gave him. This leads him onto the painting of the Red Dragon. Cut to Chromamax Labs and Dollhegg's job in a photo lab. It's here we meet Ribba McLean, played by Emily Watson of Warhorse, Corpse Bride and Angel's Ashes. Ashes even. She's a blind darkroom photo developer. A Dollhide asks for special film in order to take nighttime animal pictures at the zoo. She hands him over the film and he says she's blind. Her ride bails on her much like does a Manhunter, so Dollhide gives her a lift home in his nondescript black van, as you do. Because all serial killers have nondescript black vans, for God's sake. Once inside, she makes some coffee and cake as they talk about zoos and what her memory is of a cougar she saw when she was five before losing her sight. She tells him she feels pity on him over his mouth and asks to feel his face. He says no and just runs off. Got to say this, though, I hate, dare I say it, is more sympathetic than the one in Manhunter. It's all very Roman Bates. Cut to the FBI HQ with Will on the telephone asking to see the personal effects of the second victims, which the family lawyer only agrees to if he kills Dorhide. Crawford then walks up to Will to tell him they found a fan letter in Lecter's cell. They have a matter of hours before Lecter becomes suspicious, so Crawford rallies his troops and it's on! As Dorhide reads a note in voiceover, a lab assistant finds a hair on it and a bite mark on a single ply toilet paper note. On to another technician who finds felt tip pen marks on the notes, which leads them to Lounge's paper, so somehow Will jumps to the conclusion this is a personal ad. Lecter is returned to his cell, of course he knows something is up, as Crawford finds Le Lecter's ads far too easily for my bloody taste, which is Bible quotes, however they aren't real Bible quotes, so they have no time after they have to run the ad as is. At a library that night, a lab technician solves Lecter's coded message and it's Will's home address. Cut to Crawford getting a phone call in the middle of the night, telling him what the message actually says. So Crawford calls Will to tell him. On to Will's home in Florida and Molly is awakened by someone in her home. Her bedroom door flies open, however it is only her son as a police helicopter wakes them up. They're taken into custody where Will sends them to a horse and sheep ranch. How very silent set alarms of them. Cut to Lecter's cell, as Chilton has taken away everything he has in his cell, including the toilet seat. It then shows Will teaching Molly how to fire a gun at the range. Cut to Lowndes in a holding cell after he was caught trying to steal the autopsy pictures of the second family victims. And note, Jack Black was supposed to play Lowndes, however it was given to Hoffman last minute. To keep Lowndes out of jail, Will and Crawford feed him bullshit information on the Tooth Fairy, saying he's an ugly person who is easily, who is going to be easily caught, and he's a bottom feeder. He also raped the husband's post-mortem. This of course is all, all bullshit lies. After the slimy lounge leaves, Will tells Crawford he's okay with using, being used for bait as long as his family is safe. Early that morning, Dollhide steals an early print of Lounge's paper and cut to later that morning, and Lowndes gets kidnapped by Dollhide, taken to his home, where he wakes up glued to an old wooden wheelchair. And note, Hoffman was actually glued to this chair, 
why. Dollhide tells Lowndes who he is and that he is more than a man, but he is a god, as he removes his rope to show the full back tattoo of the Red Dragon. And note, it took seven hours to airbrush this onto Fainzi's back. After that, Dollhide showed slides to Lowndes of the painting and his victims and what he did to them. He gets Lowndes to record a message, then bites out his tongue. That morning, he sends Lowndes' body, still glued to the chair, on fire down the street and the paper is on, and cut to Crawford listening to the tape. Except the ending to the tape is different from what was actually said. Again, showing Ratner hasn't a bloody clue about continuity for fuck's sake. Oh, dear God. <clears throat> After listening to the tape, Crawford springs his team into action, getting them to look for early morning vendors, how easy it is to get the wooden wheelchairs, etc, etc. Will goes back to see Lecter, who congratulates on Lounsey's death. He then talks, taunts Will again. So begs Lecter to tell him where Dollhead is, saying he'll get everything back Chilton took from him, including computer access. Lecter tells him to really look at the Red Dragon painting, and then asks for a dinner and a show. Hmm. Cut to Dollhead taking River on a date to a zoo to feel a tiger, as it lies sedated. And then listen to its heartbeat. What the fuck? With that, Dollhide takes River home with him over drinks. River hits on him and the two kiss, making Dollhide feel uncomfortable. So he runs off to the toilet. Dollhide then returns to play a tape of the family he's chosen next as River sits listening to jazz music. River then comes on to him and gives him a blowjob. The two have sex in his grandmother's bed with the false teeth, the grandmother's glasses and a picture of the grandmother looking on. Lovely. The next morning, Dollhide wakes up, finding River gone. He panics and runs around the house still naked. He runs upstairs and talks to the print of the Red Dragon painting he owns and notes the Red Dragon was supposed to be voiced by Frank Linguaglia. I think that's how I pronounce his name. But this was cut. He sees Rebert outside and tells the painting, no, not her, she's pure and innocent. He goes to his safe to get a shotgun and argues with the painting yet more. Refusing to kill Rebert, so he sticks the shotgun in his mouth, but he can't do it. And that afternoon, Dollhide drops Rebert off at her home, telling her he's gone on a trip and tells her to get out for her own safety. Finally, after a week, the second victim's lawyer sends their stuff to Will and it's here he finally finds a micro VHS tape. Cut to Lecter eating dinner off a silver platter as two waiters wait on him. Onto Will finally putting it all together that the Tooth Fairy works in a video lab. Cut to New York where Dorhide tries to eat the original copy of the Red Dragon painting and he knocks out two employees and just walks off. After Will finally puts it all together, Crawford and him fly to the HQ of the lab Dollhide works for, and just like that they get Dollhide's address. Dollhide returns to work and sees River flirting with some guy, so he follows them and kills her date and kidnaps her. Taking her back to his house, he quizzes her about what she found in the house as he slept. He tells her the painting talks to him and indeed wants him to kill her. With police rushing to Dollhide's house, Dollhide throws gas around the home and sets a light, holding River at shotgun length. His paranoia takes over and he blows his head off. As the fire rages, Reba runs out of the house. With sirens blaring, Reba runs to Will's side. As the house blows up and then burns down. In a hospital bed, Will tells Reba she saved a family. This gives her little to no comfort, so he slags off her hair. What a fucking douchebag. Crawford then hands Will Dollhide's scrapbook. And cut to Will back at his beach house in Florida telling his wife he read the book and knows his tragic backstory and it's all very psycho, right down to him hearing his grandmother's voice. Crawford gets a call telling him it wasn't Dollhide that burned up but someone else. 
back at Will's house. He says his mirrors have been smashed after his son takes more than five minutes to return with s'mores to toast at the campfire. Crawford calls to warn Will as he arms himself with kitchen knives. He finds Dollhide in his son's room holding his son at knife point. His son pisses himself so Will, in order to save his son, breaks him for doing so. Dollhide snaps at Will so Josh has to run off. So Dollhide and Will struggle and Will is slashed and stabs as he stabs Dollhide in the thigh and he runs off to get his backup gun. In the bedroom, Josh hides under a bed as his father goes for a gun in a closet. As Dollhide tries to smash down the easily break downable fucking door, this, these are these weird slant doors that were like, you could push them down and watch with 40 pieces. Christ, I'm made He stops just. So he stops tricking Will. However, Molly comes upstairs. Will sees this under the door and tells Molly to get down as both him and Dollhide shoot wildly. Dollhide is hit twice as so is Will, once in the gut and once in the lung. As Will lies bleeding, Molly shoots Dollhide twice in the head at point blank range with a completely different fucking gun because Will's gun is a revolver and the one she fires is a bloody PPK, for fuck's sake. As sirens scream in the air, Josh runs to his mother's side. In voiceover we hear Lecter talk to Will as he writes him a letter. Will tosses the note into the sea as he sails off into the sunset with his wife and kid. As for Lecter, well, a young female agent wants to talk to him as credits roll. So that was Red Dragon, not much of a retrend as I thought it was going to be, however, Rutner has none of it. The score is weight OTT, the acting is good, however, the score kills all the fucking tension. Rutner just kills this movie stone dead. Hopkins doesn't even play Lecter the way he did in the other movies. All in all, this is a watchable movie, I suppose. I'll give this thing a 5 out of 10. Come back next week for my wrap-up look at Hannibal Rising, a movie I have still never seen yet. October is Halloween, my look at the first three Hellraiser movies. November is bad video game movies such as Mario Brothers. December is festive funnies such as Christmas Vacation. January is John Campbell movies such as The Fog. So don't forget to leave a like, follow and comment on my SoundCloud. Also follow me on Twitter at Here's Johnny's Pod and email me with suggestions to Here's Johnny's Reviews at gmail.com. Check out my other franchise podcasts of Mad Max, Star Wars, Resident Evil, Psycho and more. Also check out my solo podcast of Scream, Donnie Darko, Aliens and many more. And a bye bye. Oh and remember, if a painting starts to talk to you, get medical help immediately. <laughs>